Thus says the Lord, Learn not the ways of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nails so that it cannot move. That is Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. And welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. We are coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. And this is Bridge Radio Christmas edition that was the aw Rilla, my co-host as always woo woo hello we, everybody merry christmas we have the boss the boss is back what's the, up everybody the boss but you've been out you've been out you've yeah. been how you've been gone and missing and everyone was crying somebody's yeah. got to pay the bills around here so you guys <laughs> can sit back here on the radio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we we got a full we, we got a got a full co-host crowd here we got the the lions back the lion the, the lion, lion is back good to be back that's what we call you um so this is the christmas edition of uh, a bridge radio it is actually our last uh podcast for 2019 wow and so uh we will be back up and running in january of 2020 god willing uh and we have a great lineup for you we got craig keener who's going to be the first episode. He is the author of Miracles. We got J.P. Moreland. We we got a whole nice lineup for you. But uh, thank you for everybody who's really been tuning in uh, in 2019 to Bridge Radio. Uh, we are a Christian uh, uh, ministry out on the border of Texas and Mexico. We are a nonprofit uh, Christian bookstore, uh, teaching ministry, and uh, one of the purposes of Bridge Radio is just to bring awareness to classic and contemporary uh, biblical Christian books and bring on authors so that way we can talk theology and, and all the, all that good stuff. Oh, so, yeah. so yeah, well, this is our 111th episode, so we have 110 others on just fantastic subjects from soteriology, eschatology. eschatology. Oh, we love that topic around yes. here, right? Uh, and a, a lot a lot more, marriage, relationships, and stuff. So all that's coming at you. Yeah. And uh, But today's episode... Um, since it's the Christmas edition, um, and, uh, and 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 Christmas is here. Where's uh, the Christmas music, Julio? I don't know. What I, 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 I'll, I'll play some in a bit. I'll play some in a bit. Um, but it's that season where um, Christians, millions of us, are going to yeah. attend church, share meals with family and friends, and uh, mm. go, go to the malls and, and shop and. Uh, and uh, in, 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 in all for in preparation of Christmas, which is the for, for Christians, we celebrate not the simple mere birth of a man, Jesus of Nazareth, but the fact that God became a man to Ooh. save men. Yeah. And so that's what we celebrate. Uh, as you drive down the streets, you'll see uh, Christmas trees and, and decor and all this stuff. But mm. um, is it pagan? That's the question today. Is it pagan? Um, there's a lot of Christians who are, uh, I guess you, you could properly say they're anti-Christian Christians? I, I'm not anti-Christmas. Christmas Christian. There you go. Anti-Christmas. They don't like other Christians. Christians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I'm Christian, but I don't like those Christians. Yeah. Anyway, um, but just to kind of open up the discussion, um, who, who, who of us here have, have encountered that in our lifetime? What? Before, before we dive into it. Just people not really who, who are Christian who are anti-Christmas. Oh, yeah. They're around. <laughs> well, my experience with them has been more people just asking, do I celebrate Christmas mm. as a Christian? And then sort of it seeming like it was taboo right. that I did. And yeah. so I just, but it didn't really, I haven't met anybody who's like, 
telling me I shouldn't celebrate Christmas. I think they deep down and deep down inside they want to say that. I know. Uh, I, I because, agree. because they really just go to the extreme that's saying, "Ah, oh, man, that is so pagan." Mm-hmm. Like just very legalistic about it. So, mm. yeah, I mean, we've had people come in here and and uh, you know disregard the the uh, Christmas tree, you know that we have we have a lot of christmas trees up <laughs> yeah, yeah we do so, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah so, if, you're, if you're anti-chris uh, christmas christian walking a bridge you'd be like whoa <laughs> yeah don't come yeah. in here <laughs> so we got all christmas trees and you know just so it, it, it allows us to have that conversation of mm-hmm. why we celebrate christmas and yeah. you know where that comes from and it, one thing we don't want to do is is uh castigate people who don't right. celebrate yeah. Christmas, yes. you know, Good Romans 14, yes. you know, so we want to allow grace to those who have differing opinions, um, but we w- in this discussion, we want to talk about those reasons why we, we, we do feel it's okay to celebrate Christmas and to put up a Christmas tree yeah. and talk about Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a brother this morning where, where that discussion kind of opened up organically, yeah. not talking about the podcast and discussion today. Yeah. And he was like, whoa, okay, I didn't I didn't know that. I'm, I'm open to hearing it. I go check it out. Yeah. So that's kind of what what this podcast is, is all about. So, so, brother, if you're listening, I hope you get to uh, learn a little bit today. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think one of the things we're doing is we're talking about Christmas and the history of Christmas and everything. Mm-hmm. But if somebody were to say, well, no, I don't celebrate Christmas and this and that, but they were to understand the incarnation, mm-hmm. that would make, um, I think, God pleased. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And him, hey, maybe they're not willing to celebrate Christmas and things like that, but they understand why his son became man. That's pretty crazy. That's ultimately the point. Yeah. yeah. And and I think it's good that we're going to touch on the <clears throat> history and the background, how everything came about, because I think that there is some misconceptions out there uh, uh, about the truth, and it gets all lumped up together, and, that. you know. I didn't catch that. Oh, that's my that's my iWatch. <laughs> oh, man, Siri's uh, anti-Christmas. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess just to open it up... Um, what is the history of of Christmas? Was it was it ever pagan? Does it does it have its origins in in paganism? Whoever wants to kind of touch that one. So I've got some information here on in, when it started in Rome. Okay, in oh, nice. three sixty A.D. So we see this is from uh, the history of the Christian Church by Philip Philip uh, Schaff. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, it says, we find it first, that is the celebration of Christmas or the Feast of Christmas in Rome in the time of the Bishop Liberius on the 25th of December, 360. And then in Antioch, it was introduced about the year 380. And then uh, Chrysostom celebrated it in Alexandria. The Feast of Epiphany was celebrated as the, the Nativity of Christ in 430. And Chrysostom, Chrysostom, who delivered the Christmas homily in Antioch on the 25th of December 386, already calls it, notwithstanding its recent introduction some 10 years before, the fundamental feast or the root from which all other Christian festivals grow. And then they go on to say that the Christmas festival was probably the Christian transformation or regeneration of a series of kin- kindred heathen festivals like the Saturnalia 
and several others were listed, which were kept in Rome in the month of December in commemoration of the golden age of universal freedom and equality and in honor of the unconquered sun, and which were great holidays especially for slaves and children. So yeah. so let's let's touch let's touch a little bit on that because uh before that time frame that you're going to you were talking about Saturnalia. Uh, uh in the ancient Roman system of religion Saturn Saturn was the god of agriculture and each summer the god of Jupiter would force Saturn out of his dominant position in the heavenly realms and in days will begin to shorten. So we start seeing and we're just going through the the pagan part of this mm-hmm. is that everybody is just saying, "Oh, this is pagan." So, <clears throat> so what? So what happens is during uh, uh, Saturnalia, work and business came to a halt. Schools, courts of law closed, and the normal social patterns were suspended. So, what we start seeing here is that people used to decorate their homes with wreaths and green and other greenery and shutter traditions and togas and favor the color, colorful clothes clothing that they would have, and then. What would happen is that the this is a time where people are switching roles with b- b- between masters and slave, and it was a big deal during this time. So you would see, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, um, you would see many Roman households mock, uh, m- do mock kings were chosen, so they, they would call the mock king. Uh, so somebody in the household will take the role um, to cause mischief. Uh, and usually it was a lower member of the household, uh, and there was their responsibility to go around and cause a lot of mischief. And this is where we see a lot of the um, pagan practices mm-hmm. where they would go around chasing women. Um, and and I, I, I thought that that was uh, – there's a lot there, and we can just kind of – I can just stop there and, and – and we can just go on, but those are some of the just the beginnings of what we see. And and I, and when I was reading, um, there were some sort of practices even before the Roman Empire that just kind of started morphing into that, and in, in, in that time of uh, that festive that festivities of Saturnalia, Saturnalia, be, yeah, which was the just to clarify, yeah, the festival of the unconquered sun, yes, which uh, which was their god because. It after, after the winter sol, solstice, which mm-hmm. uh, they celebrated on the 25th of December, breaks the growing power of the darkness and begins his new career or comes to life again, so to speak, so that uh, he allows them to have their their uh, growing season mm-hmm. and their harvest and things like that. Yeah, and, and so what they're doing is celebrating that mm-hmm. December 25th, mm-hmm. and it kind of got morphed into the celebration of Christ mm-hmm. as truly the unconquered son. It's interesting what uh, what they say here in this uh, history of the Christian church. He's talking about that festival, and he says, there lurked in those pagan festivals themselves, in spite of all their sensual abuses, a deep meaning and an adaptation to a real want. Mm. They might be called unconscious prophecies of the Christmas feast. Finally, the church fathers themselves, and among those church fathers are Chrysostom, Gregory of Nyssa, 
Leo the Great and others, confirm the symbolical reference of the feast of the birth of Christ, the Son, capital S, of righteousness, the light of the world, to the birth festival of the unconquered Son, which on the 25th of December, after the winter solstice, breaks the growing power of darkness and begins anew his heroic career. Mm -hmm. And so you see that transformation, that redemption of that pagan festival used by Christians to honor the true right. unconquered mm-hmm. son and then they call it the feast of nativity this custom was part of the uh the western culture uh because uh the fourth century the roman catholic church uh which dominated in europe adopted the holiday and tried to convert uh convert into a christian celebration by declaring the celebration of 25th is is what you you said yep. um and and again um i don't i guess we were talking about earlier that Christmas, uh, it in itself, I wouldn't say is pagan because we see the the festivals, the the, the festival of Saturnalia. That was the pagan part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was not Christmas, correct? Um, this is just the fourth, uh, the fourth century that the church is trying to let people know about Christ, mm-hmm. and because this is a time of debauchery and what's going on at, at this time. Um, they just kind of, you know, were trying to celebrate during that that time yeah. so that people were not doing the things that they yeah. were doing. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people too that they, they don't they don't realize. I mean, we're we're kind of like in our houses, in our nice, warm, cozy, uh, where, where we have heaters and stuff. But by that time of the year in December, where the winter solstice starts to occur, um, like Steve was reading, the the sun is starting to come out. A season is starting to shift. And so it is a point of celebration that mm-hmm. even goes back prior to uh, uh, Rome celebration. Yeah. It goes back even to the Europeans. Uh, they would have these. It's called Yuli, um, where they would they would celebrate the the winter solstice. Um, and 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 it was pretty much that the sun was was coming. Um, there, I was even reading on so, reading some articles on the History Channel where um, <clears throat> by that point of the year um all the uh the alcoholic beverages that is are ready and nice and fermented yeah and so and so now they're able to actually like cook and the days start mm. becoming longer and so it, it, it for them and during that time it's a perfect kind of time to throw a party mm-hmm. i guess and to celebrate or have a reason to celebrate um so it was common yes mm. to celebrate uh, many festivals for during that time and and here's where the gifts exchange come in he's in, in the last day of saturnalia celebration known as siglier sigliaria many romans gave their friends and loved ones small terracottas uh which are baked earth uh clay based uncla- unglazed or glazed romantic figurines um which have referred back to celebration involving human sacrifices and i'm assuming that's what you're talking about just the old practice mm-hmm. of what they were doing and it, it moved from human sacrifice of giving these terracotta gifts during the time of the roman empire but yes there 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 was this um mischief that was going on um i mean people will people were there uh, singing dancing we said earlier uh chasing women and the girls and insulting guests um and it was a time for slaves uh to like i said earlier switch roles where their masters yeah they would and they would look forward to that 
And if the master did not switch those roles, they would cause mischief in their household. Mm-hmm. So, so the masters would serve the 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 slaves. Um, and I think I I was reading too Such that a weird celebration, right? Well, yeah, but it like also it's so so weird. <laughs> it, it was really weird and very pagan. But uh, they also said it was a stress reliever for slaves yeah. uh, because they would be you know just under rule the whole time and this is the only time of the year that they were able to do that and then if their masters were nice masters it was even that much more enjoyable for them Mm -hmm. because their masters would submit to them and Mm -hmm. and and let them do what they want to do without saying a word and enjoy the time right it it was really a celebration it was really a a lot of debauchery going on (laughs) a lot of debauchery a lot lot of drinking a lot of other stuff yeah so it, it just to answer the question, like it is Christmas pagan, or at least answering the question, does it have some origin? Yeah, I would say yes and no. I mean, I think that's that's where we need to we we need to make those categorical okay. distinctions right. once yeah. again, you know, yeah. between how it started originally and how it has been transformed and redeemed and restored to be a celebration that brings glory to the true unconquered son you know and i think we see that it's not just in this instance alone we see this throughout history right Mm -hmm. we see it in our own lives how Mm -hmm. god takes something that is pagan yes you know and restores and redeems it Mm -hmm. for example i was just looking up uh circumcision is one Mm -hmm. example you know circumcision was not instigated by god for the Jewish people, you know, when he called out Abraham, that was not the first instance of circumcision. Circumcision that mm. had been practiced by other pagan nations. Mm. That, it's just that God used that practice, mm-hmm. you know, to right. set apart a people for Himself, mm-hmm. redeemed it, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Sacrifices, you know, sacrifices did not initiate with just the the Jewish people. You know, those have been practiced, you know, millennia. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we see again that God redeemed those practices to point to the, you know, right the yeah. Son of God yeah. ultimately. And you could tell too where the 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 Christians at the time in Rome how they just were not going to participate in this debauchery. Well, they that was, and in know. in the whole redemptive aspect that comes in that Steve is talking yeah. about is a Christian saying, well, we're not going to participate in that. Um, there's a lot of festivities going on. Mm. And what we're going to do is choose this day or this time to celebrate the coming of the one true son of yeah, God. Yeah. And so that's where the redeeming nature comes in, which I would say, which I would agree with Abe. It, it is it is a yes and no, yeah. but but really it's, it's the actual uh, substance behind it that really what we should be focusing Amen. on as, yeah, yeah, as yeah. Christians. Yeah. And, and I think it's good that we're just talking about the background here. And like you said, we're making category distinctions here uh, because it's not like, oh, Christian Christmas was known for its debauchery. Right. That, you know, if you talk to some people, they're like, oh, Christmas is pagan. No, it's coming from the celebration of Saturnalia that that was pagan. And then you see this transition of the church trying to uh, win people over to Christ. Which is what we should be doing as Christians, yes. right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what being salt and light is about, yes. you know, redeeming the culture mm-hmm. as well. You know, mm-hmm. you, re- you redeem the culture by redeeming individual people within the culture, but right. then you end up redeeming the culture as well. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of just talking with Esteban yesterday, and I thought... Are there any modern examples that we can think of with regards to, you know, how how God takes something that is pagan or secular 
and redeems it and restores it. And of course, you know, each one of us individually as Christians is an example. <laughs> right. But you know, what were, right. what 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 did you talk about well, yesterday, Stephen? We, we actually mentioned uh, rap music. Yeah. If you oh, yeah. if you listen to Christian rap, um, a lot of it is is one of the things about rap. And I think I heard a it was a Paul Washer teaching where he was speaking in sure. front of a bunch of um, rap artists apparently, and he was just telling them, "You've taken something, or got rather, God has taken something that is known for um, immorality mm. and you know." Um, it's egocentric violence, violence right. yeah and exploitation of women yeah yeah throwing throwing around the money and the cars i mean yeah the, yeah and that's like the core thing too. Yes. that's the point of it yeah. Um, yeah. and that's why people like it oftentimes and he says god has taken it and turned it into something uh beautiful yeah. by redeeming it and yeah. so yeah. all these you know um Christian rap that's coming out it's glorifying God and Paul Washer actually called it preaching <laughs> so this isn't about Christian rap but there's that redemptive um, aspect to yeah. it um, and I don't think it's wrong to say that uh, Christmas was uh, initially or it has some pagan undertones at, yeah. the, at, at the start yeah. but at the same time it was like immediately um Redeemed, it sounds like within the hundred, two hundred years. Once yeah. the yeah. Christians yeah. came around, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, under Constantine, yeah, and then Christmas became celebrated, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I mean, and, and and that's and as we're talking about this, and just even just talking about the rap music. I mean, Paul Washer for Paul Washer to say that if you guys don't, if you guys don't know Paul Washer, he's a, he's a tough cookie he is. when it when it comes to his preaching, but it's true, you know, and and again, like we we expect yeah. the the culture of somebody growing up like in that culture all they know is that right they they, they come to know the the, the truth the good guy mm. uh, the true god of the universe jesus christ their savior and that's all they know and they want to glorify god in their music mm. and there's a lot of people out there who'd be like no that rap music does not glorify god and i just think that's nutty it's crazy mm. Mm-hmm. And they should really think about those things, you know, because uh, and it becomes a heart matter, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it definitely um, does. Going back to to that topic, I think uh, if we if we look at scripture, what scripture has to say about it too, we also see examples. For example, Paul is is just a great example in First Corinthians ten. Uh, referring to food that is sacrificed to idols, you mm-hmm. know, and he says in ten nineteen, what do I mean then that a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that that things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to become a share of demons. You cannot drink the same, the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. Um, mm-hmm. But then he goes on to say, verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Mm-hmm. All things are lawful, not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake. And then also in uh, in Acts 17, when Paul is in in Athens, you know, and he's talking with people and he's seeing all of the idols that they have, you know, and he uses those examples but turns them around to point to the mm-hmm. one That's true God, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know? And uh, so, again, those things that have um, maybe started out with a pagan pagan uh, under, undertone uh, foundation can be used to glorify God ultimately. And we need to to make sure that 
that people understand that, not that we're browbeating them into submission. Yeah. You know, if they're convicted that they can't participate in those things, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, God created those things for his glory. And I think Romans chapter 14, we were talking about earlier, right? 1420 says, do not tear down the work of God for the, uh, the sake of food. All things are indeed clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything which your brother stumbles. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is happy is he who does not condemn, condemn himself in what he approves mm-hmm. i mean and, and you should and, and for our listeners you should just go back to roman 14 and and this is the the the, the chapter on the principle of conscience and and read through that you know um because things have been clean and we see peter having that same struggle when he has his dream when we when he's having his right, dream yeah. and, and the sheets coming out down from heaven and he's like go ahead and uh, uh kill and eat mm-hmm. and he's like no yeah no. right and you know god we'll says what i have made clean don't declare it to be unclean yes yeah and and i wanted to go back to our um to the to the verse that we opened up with in Jeremiah 10, um, especially dealing with the Christmas tree, because this specific text for Chris for Chris uh, for Christians uh, tends to be a, a stumbling stumbling block, uh, misrepresented, right? Just in what the actual text is talking about. And yes. I, wa- I wanted to read it again just so we could open this up because I think we could learn a lot from here. So Jeremiah 10 uh, 2, it starts. Um, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the custom of the peoples are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked by an axe by the hand of a craftsman. (coughs) They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Mm. So that text by itself... At face value, if you read it and you feed into the text that that is a Christmas tree, it sure indeed could sound like that is exactly what the Lord is condemning here. He's mm. saying, you know, the pagan nations, they go, they cut down a tree, they decorate it uh, with uh, silver and gold, and they fasten it with a hammer and nail so that it cannot move. So you could get this image of a Christmas tree. Yeah. If you really if you, if you really think about yeah. it that way, you could. But... What Jeremiah is talking about here, he is not talking about a Christmas tree, yes. which is way. I mean, this is like uh, the, from, from the research that I was doing. This is like two thousand years prior to mm-hmm. when Christmas trees actually, um, you know, started popping up, like in Rome. Yeah. There's yeah. a little anachronism going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so but what, 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 what Jeremiah is speaking about here directly is very clear because um, if you did some studying. Um, some, what the pagan nations would do is they would um, cut down trees, carve idols mm-hmm. out of the wood. And it says here, if you read it, uh, a tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. <clears throat> mm-hmm. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a with hammer and nails so that they cannot move. It's talking about an idol. It's not talking about a Christmas tree. Yeah, and 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 folks, please read the whole chapter in yes. its context because Julio's right. And if you continue reading after that, and in verse five, it says like a scarecrow in a uh, cucumber fields they are and they cannot speak. speak they must be carried because they cannot walk do not fear them for they do not do any harm, harm. nor can they do any good there is none like these oh lord yeah and the, and the point there is like does a tree talk <laughs> yeah 
Does it does it like if you're gonna actually follow through with it? I mean, is it actually gonna talk? No. Um, should you fear a tree? I think what they're talking about is the idols of the day, yeah. right? Yeah, the, this is the whole chapter of Jeremiah ten is about idolatry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he when 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 uh, Jeremiah is talking about this, he's talking about uh, idols that people dress up, are putting together, and and, and it was a custom that we would see for the pagan people. Mm-hmm. There were little little idols or that they were carrying, or big ones, yeah. uh, but uh, they would carry around idols, and they would carve mm-hmm. them out, dress them out, and that's their god. Yeah. And they would keep them in their pocket. I mean, this is nothing new. So, again, I really like that you uh, brought that up, Julio, because I think it's important of what uh, uh, Jeremiah is talking about in chapter 10. Not Christmas and, trees. And the danger of us just taking one verse and making it truth. You know, that's and, why it's so important to read in context. Let yeah. scripture, let scripture interpret scripture. Yes. Yeah, and then in Jeremiah ten eight through ten, just to kind of finish that, it even gets more clear. Mm-hmm. It, from starting at verse eight, it says, "But they they are altogether stupid and foolish mm-hmm. in their discipline of delusion. Their idol is wood." Mm-hmm. So he's talking about. He's not talking about the tree. He's talking about the wood because it has been carved. It goes on. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphus. Uh, the work of a craftsman and of the hand of a goldsmith. Violet, uh, violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But yeah. the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. And his wrath, the earth quakes. And the nations cannot endure his indignation. Again, people, it's not talking about Christmas trees. Yes. It's talking about idols carved out of wood. And please go read... <laughs> the whole book of Jeremiah and then go if you, if you want to just read the whole chapter and you'll get that so what's the next question uh, Julio how did the Christmas tree start <laughs> is that <laughs> is that the segue and, and kind of get the history a little so. uh, the history a little bit on the on the tree yeah I think that's the next natural step uh, now that we know it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we know that, for example, uh, in the 8th century, a missionary by the name of St. Boniface from England. Is this the first or the, the which, which Boniface? Which Boniface? Saint, yeah. St. Boniface. Just St. Boniface, number one. St. Boniface, he was born 672 AD. Okay, that's the first one, yes. So he was a leading figure in the mission to the Germ- Germanic parts of the Frankish Empire, and he according to legend, uh, after cutting down an oak tree, which was sacred to the pagan god Thor and used for human sacrifices, pointed to a nearby fir tree instead as a symbol of the love and mercy of God. And apparently one of the reasons he pointed that out was because of the, it was an evergreen tree, you Mm. know, uh, green year round, so it would never die. Um, it pointed to heaven, mm. pointed to God, and uh, so he encouraged supposedly the use of that tree as a uh, memorial to 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 God. Mm. Uh, and so that's how it, one of the one of the ways, according to legend, that yeah. we got to use the the Christmas tree, the evergreen tree, in our celebrations and Christmas. Nice. I, I know that the uh, the uh, history dot com has that uh, long before the advent of Christianity, plants and trees that remain green all year mm-hmm. had special meaning for people in the winter. Yeah. Because obviously it's darker. There's there's no color. Uh, just as people today decorate their homes during the 
uh, uh, festivity season with pines, with spruce, with fir trees. Ancient people hung every evergreen bough. You guys heard that before in Christmas uh, over their doors and windows in many countries. And it was believed that the evergreen would keep away witches, ghosts, evil spirits, and illness. Isn't that crazy? Mm. Boy. That is. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that was just a little background on that. That is a little crazy, but one of the things I was I was thinking about when we were going through Jeremiah 10 is, let's say somebody today <clears throat> did worship their Christmas tree, which probably isn't happening, but um, we put up a Christmas tree at my house, and we still declare the Lord is the true God. Mm-hmm. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Mm-hmm. What we see the tree as is kind of like what you were saying. These evergreens, they point it to God. Mm-hmm. The creation does that. It declares the glory of God. So if I put up a, a nice tree and we, and we decorate it, if anything, we're looking through that tree mm-hmm. to the glory of God and seeing, I mean, in Romans 1, this is crazy, but he says... Through nature, we see the invisible attributes of God, namely his eternal power and his divine nature. Yeah. I mean, how do you see divine nature through a tree? That's wild. Yeah. So so here's Absolutely. a good segue. We were talking about Martin, Mar- Martin Luther. Uh, it's also another one of these uh, uh, stories out there that, uh, uh, that Germany uh, was credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition uh, and that uh, Martin Luther was a part of it. It said that uh, it was, it's widely held uh, belief that Martin Luther, the 16th century, obviously, Protestant reformer, the, the man, the myth, the legend, right, <laughs> um, uh, added lighted candles to a tree. And here, this is what you're talking to Esteban. Uh, walking home towards one winter evening, composing a sermon, he was awed by the brilliance uh, of the stars twinkling amidst the evergreens. To, recap- mm. to recapture the scene of his family, he erected a tree in the main room and wired its branches with lighted candles. <laughs> wow. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We don't. That is cool. You know, it's it's one of those uh, uh, stories out there that you know maybe true, maybe not, but it, it, it's it's credited to him, the, the monk that turned the world upside down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is where it gets kind of nebulous yeah. because you hear different stories yes. as far as the origination, where yes. it came from. Yeah, another another theory is that uh, the Christmas tree started again in the Middle Ages. Um, Dramas depicting biblical themes began as part of the church's worship, but by the late Middle Ages they had become rowdy, imaginative performances dominated by lay people. The place celebrating the nativity were linked to the story of creation, in part because Christmas Eve was also considered the feast of Adam and Eve. Thus, as part of the play for that day, the Garden of Eden was symbolized by a paradise, paradise tree Mm. hung with fruit and so that developed over time into the christmas tree you know putting ornaments putting candles on Mm. them uh putting cookies on them things like that and so this information by the way comes from christianitytoday.com and i also read that uh when the christmas tree was brought to america um it was not celebrated. It was actually by the late uh, 1840s, Christmas trees were seen as pagan, a pagan symbol and not accepted by mo- most Americans. Um, but then then we see that uh, um, a lot of the 
uh, German settlers that ended up in Pennsylvania were bringing those tradition over and then you start seeing that influence uh, just coming here to the Americas and, and, the, and the customs of lighting the tree uh, and then now you see where we are here in 2019 where I mean they start Bridge putting Ministry just has a bunch of them they, they just start putting they start putting Christmas trees at like Halloween time like, <laughs> yeah. like to get the season started oh boy <laughs> don't get me started with that <laughs> um, another thing is St. Nick <laughs> Do we know about Uh-oh. Mr. St. Nick? Because um, some individuals, as I was reading on the internet, um, it gets pretty wacky, but they'll say that <laughs> Santa Claus himself, Mr. St. Nick, old St. Nick, um, is the descendant of pagan gods such as like Thor yeah. or like the Vikings. And so that's where we get the beard and the the sleigh and the, you know, and just some of this stuff so is that true what's the whole idea behind santa claus i do got to say this i remember in high school one of my teachers and um, mr sontag if you are listening to this he used to say when i think of santa i think of satan because he wore the red red, red suit (laughs) and i never i'll never forget that And, and he was playing around obviously but yeah he would go around saying that he didn't believe that uh that santa was uh that satan but it was it was always funny how he Say when I think of Santa, I think of Satan. Wow, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who was who was Santa actually? Was oh. was is there a Santa in history? Sa- yes. Saint Ni- yeah, there's Saint Nicholas. There Saint, is. There yes. is Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas of Myra. The Saint mm-hmm. Nicholas. Yes. And a lot of people don't realize that he was a Christian. Oh, no right? He was a Christian, and he was he was quite a staunch Christian as well. Quite uh-huh. a faithful Christian. Just Under, a good kind. Yeah. Endured a lot of persecution for the, for the name of Christ, and he lived in what we call modern day Turkey. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have very few historical details about Saint Nick. So, um, uh, some of the things that they do have. Uh, this is about three forty three A.D. By the way, is when he was born. Anyway, three, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, he died in three forty three A.D. Okay, um, so do so. We see that there is a real guy named. Saint Nicholas yeah, Amira. Do we know how he transitioned to uh, what we know of him now? Uh, of you know Santa Claus. Well, we we do know that he was especially generous to children, mm-hmm. regular regularly giving him gifts. And there is actually one account also that is very famous among uh, church history folk, uh, where he. It is, it is written that he actually punched um, uh, Arius in no the face way. of the Council of Nicaea. Nicaea. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think I heard of that. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, a little history about that. There was a, uh, a council uh, about the uh, deity of Christ, and one of the defenders was Athanasius. And as Arius was defending, because he, he did not believe that um, Christ was was God in, in one mm-hmm. essence with the Father, as, yeah. as what we would believe right. today. And uh, Mr. Old St. Nick was not having it. And the the story is that he walked down up as Arius was speaking and punched wow. him. Wow. Yeah. And so, and, and it's interesting because if you go read some of the history, after he punched him, the actual bishops that were on the Orthodox side got actually really upset with him and, and pulled him down from his status as being a bishop. Well, that's, uh, that's... But he was eventually restored. And but, then, uh, and he, then just, he started he just... getting on sleighs and uh, hanging <laughs> yeah. out with reindeers and those. But, was... <laughs> but Mr. St. Nick definitely couldn't uh, couldn't handle himself. For, for Arius, that's what that's what happens when you're naughty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's checking that list. 
<laughs> so, so going back to kind of the origination of uh, of uh, Saint Nick, where that came from, mm. he actually he was born to very wealthy parents. Mm. Um, his parents died when he was quite young, uh, but they left him his fortune, and he was a very generous man. He gave away a lot of his money to help people out. There's actually a story of a father who was unable to arrange suitable marriages for his daughters. He didn't have a dowry for them, mm. and so he, you know, he was faced with letting them go out on the street, you know, join a brothel. And uh, St. Nicholas, upon hearing this, actually threw bags of gold into the girls' rooms wow. so that they had a dowry. Uh, he is recorded to have exposed uh, corruptness in the government uh, during the famine, um, apparently saved a... Uh, an accused uh, prisoner, falsely accused prisoner, from execution. Um, and then, of course, there's the story with Arius mm-hmm. that uh, Julio talked about. And then, actually, under Domitian, he was uh, he was persecuted as well and yeah, he was. put into prison. He was, and uh, <clears throat> he eventually ended up becoming the uh, the bishop of uh, Myra and uh, throughout his life the remainder of his life was uh, was a very very uh, generous man helping uh, to provide for people and and uh, just making sure that w- he could do whatever he could do to make sure people were taken care of and treated fairly yeah it's yeah. so it's so awesome to hear our other brothers and sisters of old just stories like this and uh, yeah. so what and, and we see the like, I guess the the transition that by the Middle Ages, Nicholas' fame had spread uh, much of Europe, uh, and th- um, <clears throat> and then what we start seeing is that Saint Nicholas' popularity eventually spread to Northern Europe, where the stories of the monks mingled, and uh, folk tales of elves and sky chariots, and then we see the it was the in in the Netherlands, Saint Nicholas took on the Dutch uh, friendly. Sp- Spelling of Sinterklaas, which is spelled S I N T E R K L A A S, and he was the, he was depicted as a tall, white bearded man in a red clerical robe who arrived every December sixth on a boat to leave gift of coal lumps at children's home. Stories of Sinterklaas were likely brought to the New World by the Dutch seller, settlers. Um, and, and and then we see just that transition. And, and they started saying that uh, St. Nicholas, uh, a Dutchman, would fl- fly, fly in the sky with wagons, <laughs> dropping off gifts down on chimneys. And, and then we see in 1823 in New York uh, that he would go, St. Nicholas would visit, and he traded wagons for sleigh drawn by eight tiny reindeers. And, and they just keep, kept adding. And, yeah, and then, and then that's, and then, and then during that time, uh, they suggest that uh, St. Nicholas no longer lived in, in Turkey or Spain. He was actually living in the North Pole. So that's where, <laughs> so that's where we see the, the transition of He was what, no longer the Bishop of Myra. He, yeah. was, he, was, he, was, uh, he was the CEO of Toys R Us so, with yeah, a bunch of reindeer. Yeah, so him and Mrs. Claus, like, you know, they were up to the North Pole. So those are some of the historical facts of what we, we see of, of Santa Claus, an actual person that lived in history, to now the 
the the guy that doesn't die and he 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 goes through every chimney around the world and he does the eternal santa claus yeah. yeah so so let me ask you a question is it okay to teach our kids about santa claus what oh, great question man, that is a good question hey santa hey santa. you, you want to know my 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 thing is when i have kids god willing i i don't I don't know if I'm gonna tell them about the Santa Claus, how he's understood contemporary, like the contemporary view of Santa. I think I'm gonna tell him the like, tell them the historical Christian true side of Santa Claus, and really make the main focus I, about Jesus so, Christ so and here, the incarnation. Yeah. So here's a question though: Did you guys grow up believing in I Santa? I did. I Julio, did. Julio, yeah. I was, I, I, the lion. Dude, I, 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 I would run to my TV when my Wait, mom would go, look, I, look, 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 Santa Claus is flying over <laughs> Texas. And it would show the news, and you know how, like, everybody, like, wow. the news, Santa! And, and, and it, it showed the sleigh going over, like, your house, or, like, over, like, Keensville, where I used to be from, and I used to book it outside and go look up in the sky to see if I could catch Santa. So I was all about Santa, man. <laughs> that's that's great. That's I don't hilarious. remember be- believing in Santa necessarily. I was so in- infatuated and obsessed with gifts yeah. okay. that I would just go to my uncles and my aunts and be like, hey, so, you know, I checked under the tree and I, I didn't see your gift there for me. And my uncle would would tell me, well, yours is actually at home. Your, oh. Yours is you're gonna get that one under the Christmas tree. But I said, oh, okay. I'll believe in Santa <laughs> if I get gifts. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> I got to do. One thing about that question, Steve, though, is that's that's like super practical because one thing I have found is your kids are usually hanging out with other kids, mm. and um, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know that it would be right. Just make sure, or. What if your kid starts telling other kids Santa doesn't exist? And that was me. Next thing you know, like that closes a door. Yeah, yeah, that, but that it's was not me. even a big deal. That was me That's growing up. Point. I did not grow up believing Santa. I was that kid. You were telling. You were, I was. I was the kid I'm who was telling all kid. the other kid that Santa ain't real. Right. And parents were like calling my my dad wow. and saying, "Uh, your kid is telling." And you know, this is early '80s. My dad, they, my dad, <laughs> did not. Yeah, I did not grow like. Santa, I was like, I was the kid. Is like, he ain't real. Yeah, that's your parents. Yeah. <laughs> like as a little kid, I remember these things. So, I, the line, we should we should have put a disclaimer before jumping this question because yeah. somebody's like having it on speaker. And their kids are like, hey, you gotta yeah. rush out of here, Bridge Radio. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you, make sure you do that. Yeah, <laughs> kids, please leave the room now. <laughs> AW is gonna that's start. Funny, funny. It, it's true. It, it, it's true. You can even ask my mom. Like, there is. You want to hear something funny too? My dad, my dad, and my older sister, um, uh, my dad, uh, my dad was previous, previously married. Uh, so my half sister, uh, my dad, my sister told me that they had put up a Santa Claus, one of the uh, uh, plastic Santa Claus back in the day. I mean, this is like this is like sixties, maybe late fifties. This is like the Christmas story, yeah. Santa Claus, from and. The movie. And my dad was so upset because his ex-wife had bought it without telling him. Mm. My dad lit it on fire with gasoline, and wow. the Chicago police, uh, the the Chicago uh, fire department came because he used gasoline. Like it was not even like this thing was just roaring, and he had left the lights on, and there was like electrical fire. Like, and they came and like started yelling at my dad, and he never told me that story. My sister did, and I was like, that wow. makes sense. Isn't that crazy? So. That is hilarious. That is, that is hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> so people need to understand your background. Yes. Before yes. when you know what I mean. Yeah. That yeah, would be a good movie. That would be 
be that's you know, that's a movie. That's a good that's that would a good be a movie sequel scene. to the Christmas story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a good scene in Elf too. <laughs> so so Steve, what did you do with, with your kids? You're you're the only oh, yeah. uh, gentleman here that, that has kids and who could maybe... We never really promoted Santa Claus much. I mean we would joke about it, but we never we never tried to convince them that Santa Claus was real. Okay. Yeah, what mean, about yourself was, growing up? Yeah. I always my parents never never promoted it no okay either i mean they would they would same with me yeah i mean it was kind of a cultural thing you know santa claus part of christmas but we never we never were taught to believe that santa claus was real yeah yeah i the first time i actually heard about saint nick that he was an actual person in history through bridge ministries and i remember when leanne told me that i was like what what are you he's talking about like Saint Nick? Like Saint Nick is actually yeah, 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 yeah. She she gave me that I think it was that children's book that you have right over there. And I read it and I was like, Wow, that is so cool. And he punched Arius in the face. <laughs> By the way, kids. Did you go home and tell pe- punching people in the face that you theologically disagree with? Not cool. Not cool. Did you go tell your brother? Unless, unless they claim that Christ is not divine. Then yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the Orthodox side was like Hey, St. Nick, chill out. Like, and they pulled him down from his yeah. being a bishop, and then they restored him later, which is interesting. Hey, but you, he did not like that. When you found out that St. Nick was an actual person, did you go tell your brother right away? Yeah, I was like, hey, Joseph. And he was like, Joseph! I knew. <laughs> I, it's funny, because I started figuring it out. Like, I was like, Why, whenever we leave, like, it's when the gifts arrive. Yeah. And, like, Dad would disappear. <laughs> you know, so that's how I ended up, ended up figuring it out. So, I mean... Um, we've talked about the Christmas tree. We talk about Santa. We talk about where uh, Christmas came from and its meaning. Uh, I think it's time that we talk about what's the most important thing, right? Yeah. And why is the incarnation so important as we start lining this blade in this uh, Christmas edition of yeah. radio? Yeah. And yeah. And, I, it, you know, it's it's like I said at the beginning of the program, you know, there's going to be millions and millions of Christians who uh, who are going to celebrate it. Um, and, and there's also people who are secular who, who just, you know, celebrate it for um, just secular reasons, just because it's kind of just tradition. You know, yeah. we exchange gifts. It's it's because I'm on a break for work. You know, I got a whole week off, yeah. you know, and it's just kind of that time to just spend time with family. Yeah. Uh, but as for Christians, uh, like I said at the beginning of the program, uh, we're not simply celebrating the birth of a man uh, who was named Jesus of Nazareth, right? The birth of a baby. But it's the fact that God became a man in yeah. order to save uh, men, and the incarnation is vitally, vitally important to Christian theology and doctrine. Because I mean, if, if we could open it up here, but without the incarnation, there there is no hope. There's no hope. Yeah, right. and that was the whole point behind when the angels came and announced that um, you know the uh, that Jesus was was coming, that he was going to save the sins of men, um, and, and that, that was a reason to celebrate. As we do today. The Word became flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John one fourteen. the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Yeah. What, the Lion, what do you got to say about the... No, I mean, there's just, there's an incredible picture of um, I, one of my professors at Bible college when I was at, at Reformation Bible College, it was I think it was Dr. Denlinger, he used to say that he would give his kids gifts, if I remember correctly, and it was that was one of the ways he would explain the grace of God to them. That God gives you something that um, has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. But it's just because he's giving it freely. And you see there that um, God so loved the world that he gave 
his only begotten son. And he didn't just give, like, um, that wasn't a, a normal gift. It was his only son. Amen. Um, and so one of the reasons that it, it's, it's the incarnation is, is wildly important. And here there's a text, and it's probably the only one, um, one of the most important ones that I, I was reading a couple sermons on it, and uh, by B.B. By Warfield, actually, and the text is 1 Timothy 1, um, 15, and I believe Warfield said something along the lines, you will not find a more clear text on the gospel hmm. and Jesus coming into the world, and, and that was what he, what he said, and it says here, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners mm. and so it's like the point of the incarnation the purpose of the incarnation is salvation mm-hmm. um, and so I just think that's that's uh, an incredible truth and you see there Christ Jesus came into the world you read those words he was somewhere else before um, and he was he was in heaven mm. before the world was created as the son of God um, and the last thing would be second Corinthians 9. Um, or sorry, uh, I'm sorry, not that's not the text. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, where he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, yeah. so, that by, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So where he was before, he was infinitely rich, mm. and he left that mm. for us. So. And he needed to become man he needed right. to take on flesh in order to die for us he needed uh-huh. to become one of us uh-huh. right we mm-hmm. couldn't have an angel die for us because right. they're not we're not angels uh-huh. we needed to have one of us yeah. living with us right. uh, taking on flesh living uh, in yeah. perfect obedience to God and then dying in our place and he also needed to be God because only God could pay the penalty for sin mm-hmm. you know we can't sinful man cannot do that yeah. and so we needed god incarnate which is just the it's it's ineffable it's unable to be described yeah. mm-hmm. right i mean and i think we could spend our lifetimes thinking about it and never really appreciate it mm-hmm. yeah yeah <clears throat> we were uh yeah we were just talking this morning on our bible study of the the, the parable of the of the vineyard with the owner and just salvation. I mean, that we see God's grace and mercy um, in salvation uh, with the people that didn't deserve it. The 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 the, the owner hired uh, these workers just for an hour, mm. uh, six hours, three three hours, and they knew that they didn't deserve salvation. They didn't they didn't deserve work. You know, and this is Jesus telling the parable is, is what's referring to, um, and they knew it. And he was worried about them, not the owner, you know, making money or making profit, you know, and this is a symbol of, of God. And, and, I, and I think that's just amazing that when we really, really think about it, it is hard to I, at times understand like, oh, man, God became flesh mm-hmm. to save us, his people, his chosen people. Yeah. And that is that is that is why we celebrate Christmas. It's good news. It Amen. is good news. So that's the gospel right there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> who's gonna do it? 
who's the last one for 2019 for 2000 you were you were gonna sing feliz navidad feliz navidad <laughs> yeah right oh, wow. feliz navidad nice. no um, hey I, I think that the boss shared the the, the gospel oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to uh just highlight a couple of resources that we used uh for this for this podcast uh the story of saint nicholas is a book and it's actually published by the voice of the martyrs um highly recommend it um, for your kids it's 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 just a great book that talks about saint nick santa claus how we ended up with santa claus and then i can't recommend these videos as well highly enough by buck denver um phil visher the creator of veggie tales but anyway there's a new series buck denver asks asks why do we call it christmas and uh it's just a it's a super entertaining but very informative as well so for our local listeners please stop by bridge ministries and <laughs> pick up the book and the dvd uh and uh somebody who will help you uh get those things so for our worldwide audience um you can pick those things up at uh amazon i'm sure somewhere uh if not you can call here and we can ship it out to you um uh free free of charge so uh yeah all right ladies and gentlemen well that is the last episode of bridge radio 2019 2019 uh we will be picking it up again january 2020 towards the the mid uh point of january we are actually going to be starting a uh book series with steve uh, uh abe and i think uh the line here might be jumping in but we're going to be going through slowly the attributes of god in the body of divinity by thomas watson so every month we will be taking on one section yeah. so starting january the first podcast that is going to drop is the being of god mm. it is the uh, first section on the yeah. attributes of god in the body of divinity and uh, we're just going to be uh talking about it yeah. as christians over a cup of coffee uh, kind of like the way we started this program yeah. <laughs> before, but this time over a classic book, uh, one of my favorite kind of systematic theologies mm. that I was introduced to, nice. and uh, very concise, uh, and, uh, and, and and I really like it because it's asking everything in forms of questions, mm. uh, and so that's one of the purposes why I, I kind of wanted to do it. So It's kind of a catechism format. Mm. It is. Yeah. It is. So a lot of good discussions there, and again, we have a, a whole lineup of hosts mm. coming. And for our audience, please pray for us as uh, we continue this, and then God gets glorified in these uh, podcasts that we're doing uh to just a reminder that bridge ministry is looking to move into a bigger location uh and we want to just say thank you for everybody who's helped out and contributed yes. to that cause uh again if uh, the lord puts in your heart to give to us please do so any any anything uh you know you've heard me say before on this podcast we'll take a penny because it takes a penny to make a dollar and a dollar to make a hundred dollars and so on and so forth. So, um, Amen. And we do, we really appreciate those who have come alongside us yeah. and support us and yeah. those, those one time, those monthly gifts. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can do that at bridgemanlaredo.org slash giving. Anyway, guys, so as always, we always end it with uh, one question. What is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death? to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and we will see you in 2020. Later. Later. Bye-bye.